preach the gospel even if you do nothing else but nothing else but post scripture verses. That's something. Now, the truth may not always come across as kind, but what the kindest thing you can do is say is tell someone the truth. That's the kindest thing you can do. Yeah. Uh, so, so again, understand that you know we, we got a lot of tone police out there right now. So we, people discount even something can be true if they deem it not given in the right tone of voice. They'll discount the whole thing. See, I can't be worried about that. Hi, and welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. You might remember the last time we got together with Daryl Harrison, who serves as the Dean of Social Media at Grace to You Ministries. That's Dr. John MacArthur teaching ministry that you hear right here on the Bot Radio Network. Daryl, we were wrapping up, and as the time was going, I said, no, please, I've got to have more time with Daryl. <laughs> Absolutely, Byron. Thanks for having me back, my friend. I appreciate it. Well, we were getting into this topic of justice, and I know this is really a passion of yours, and you've done a lot of research. You have a lot of opinion on it. From the biblical point of view is what we want to talk about, through the biblical lens. I saw a quote from Charles Haddon Spurgeon that says, Justice may at times leave the courts of man, but it abides upon the tribunal of God. How important for us to be reminded of that truth? Oh, wow, Byron. It's extremely important. I mean, listen, what, what we're seeing occur in, in the world today, in society today, with uh, you know, we've got incidents of police-involved violence, and then we've got mobs of people responding violently to that violence, I think what we as believers have to remind ourselves of is that we are to be separate from the world. We are to be separate from the world, and there are infinite ways in which that principle applies. And I think one way that that principle applies, that we're separate from the world, is that our response to incidents such as what we've seen in recent years has to be different. We cannot hook our caboose, if you will, onto the world's train. This is, a, this, is the, this is the world that's driving this train, and we have to be resistant to hopping on that, that same train. You know, I think about, uh, you know, again, we were talking the last time we met, I was, I was bringing up the, the, uh, the fact of the sovereignty of God and, and that, that, that God's sovereignty rules over all Scripture teaches us. There's nothing that occurs in God's world that He is not aware of. Um, and yes, we should grieve, we should lament, uh, instances of uh, injustice that we see. However, we talked about uh, the different, the distinction that we need to make between an, a, a legitimate injustice and a perceived injustice. We we, we should not make assumptions uh, that something is an injustice simply because we see it on the news media. We we have to be able to be different in our response to these incidents and sit back and wait. Let's 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 let all the facts come out. Proverbs fifteen fifteen three says that it is foolish for someone to speak until they know all the facts. So let's sit back, let's, let's be patient, let's let, let the process, the judicial processes, work themselves out and not be so anxious to dive in with the world and respond like the world to the situations that we see happening in the world. And you made a very clear distinction, I believe, Daryl, between the word equity and equality. Yes, yes. But when you look at it biblically, the difference between equity and equality, equality as the world uses the term, is about proportion. Okay, it's making sure that everyone uh, uh, experiences not only just the same opportunity, but the same outcome of that opportunity. So equality, as the world defines it, is about uh, proportion. Equity, as Scripture emphasizes it and defines it is a principle. It's not about uh, proportion. Equity is about truth. 
Equity is about integrity. Equity is about being impartial in all your processes and all your practices to seek the truth. And I was using uh, the the uh, story of uh, Solomon and the two women and and the baby out of First Kings three. I think that gives us a, an incredible ex- biblical example of how we are to understand the difference between the two. Equality in the situation involving Solomon and the two women and the baby, equality would have demanded that Solomon follow through and cut that baby in half because each woman would have gone home with equal proportion. They each would have had half a baby. Half a dead baby, yes, but they would have had half a baby. But Solomon knew that his responsibility, first and foremost, was to God, and he was to rule in truth. All right, Old Testament law says, well, Solomon, you must hear the uh, the poor and the great alike. The two women who went before Solomon happened to be prostitutes, but Solomon heard them because that was the law. And Solomon ruled with equity. He ruled with truth, even though it meant that one of those women was going to go home without a baby. Yeah. Uh, so in this case, truth supersedes outcome. Well, how has the Church lost the biblical understanding of both justice and injustice to the point that both justice and injustice aren't being discerned objectively? That's a fantastic question, Byron. I think the Church, and listen, I don't mean to generalize here, but I've seen, um, listen, this isn't my first rodeo when it comes to this issue of justice within the evangelical Church, especially in America. There are The Church in America has become so hooked on pragmatism that is, it is it is losing, if not lost, it is losing any uh, uh, semblance of having a, a biblical concept of what justice and injustice are. You know, one of my favorite verses, Bible, when we talk about justice and injustice, is in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 15, where it says, You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor defer to the great, but you are to judge your neighbor fairly. So when you look at what's going on within the Church in light of Leviticus 19.15, and the culture as well, justice, you, normally the society responds, and the Church is doing this as well, by giving deference to the poor. You, you're hearing a lot about the, 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 those who are oppressed, the oppressed, that's, that's the word du jour these days, uh, the oppressed, and then you, hear, you have the oppressor. Well, in Scripture, though, God also deems it a sin to give deference to the poor. So even if you have a, 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 a bias, a prejudice, or if you're being partial to the poor, that's a sin as well. But the Church, under the guise of pragmatism and under the guise of trying to increase its numbers and trying to increase its membership and trying to embrace a, a world so as to convince the world that the Church is, 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 is not distinct from the world but like the world in many ways, it's, it's, the Church is now losing any distinction, any kind of understanding of the distinction between what is biblical justice versus what is often called social justice. Those, the two are not the same. And, and, uh, but as long as the Church continues these pragmatic efforts to bring the world into the Church, that line between biblical justice and social justice is going to continue to be blurred until it disappears altogether. Wow. Well, Proverbs twenty four twenty three says, There's also sayings of the wise... To show partiality in judgment is not good. Now, as Christians, if you and I deviate from God's equitable and universal standard of what justice and injustice are, don't we risk becoming partakers in the sin of partiality? Of course. Of course we do. Of course. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm glad you asked that, Byron, because partiality is not even talk, talked about in the Church, for the most part, let alone viewed as a sin. 
But you can go, the Scripture teaches us from cover to cover, number one, that God himself is not a God of partiality. God shows zero partiality. So as far as God is concerned, it doesn't matter what your situation, circumstances, or condition is in. God is still a God that shows no partiality. As we just read in Leviticus 19.15, the command to us is to show no partiality to the poor or to the great. And this is why I'm saying the symbolism of the uh, Lady Justice with the blindfold on falls a little bit short as it relates to how Christians are to view justice. Our hearts ought to be blind. That's what matters to God, is that in our heart, we are not to employ or, or, uh, or have within us, within our heart and our mind, a deliberate, prejudicial mindset toward anyone, regardless of whether they're poor or great, regardless of their circumstance. As I said earlier, for the Christian, truth should trump outcome. Daryl, how should we understand and define terms, like we're hearing today, woke, systemic racism, reparations? Oh, man, that's a, I tell you, those three terms that you just mentioned are like three time bombs. They're like, they're like three Claymore mines in a, a minefield. These are terms that have bled into the Church, that have been embraced by the Church. Uh, so you have terms like woke, uh, woke, which is a slang for just being aware, having an awareness of what's going on around you in the culture, with the bias being towards being woke about what's happening to black people in America and in the world. You've got terms like systemic racism, which woke churches, woke pastors, uh, woke Christians insist is the reality uh, in America, uh, if not the world at large, where basically everything as, as far as institutions and systems uh, are, are inherently racist and they need to be torn down and rebuilt. you got Christians writing books like White Fragility and The Color of Compromise and Divided by Faith and books like that. And the church is, is, is drinking this up. They're drinking it all up. They're drinking it all up under the guise that the gospel exists to promote social justice and egalitarianism. But that is not the gospel. It's like I say all the time, Byron, Christ came to save sinners. He didn't come to save society. Mm. But under, under the guise of social justice and the social gospel, evangelical churches are buying this up. One example is the Southern Baptist Convention last year adopting Resolution 9 and promoting critical race theory. You know, but again, un- un- until individual Christians become better theologians, better students of what the Word of God says, these worldly ideologies and philosophies are going to continue to invade the Church and then transform uh, the Church so much that it's going to be indistinguishable from the world. Well, it seems, Daryl, this is why we're seeing the Church become so splintered and ineffective in America today. I mean, we're hearing stories of incredible Church growth and movements of God in other regions around the world, but what's happening to America? Yeah, that's a great question. That's one reason I think, and this is just my personal opinion, I'm not speaking for anyone other than myself, I think one reason we're not seeing the Church be more influential in the culture in America is because the Church, as I said a second ago, the Church is becoming indistinguishable from the world. And as long as the Church continues to want to make itself friends with the world, what's going to happen, as Spurgeon talked about this, what happens in that regard is that the world ends up swallowing up the Church. The Church doesn't end up influencing the world. There's just something within us where, under the guise of loving one another and loving your neighbor, we feel like we have to blend in. And blending in ultimately means you just basically mesh with what it is you're trying to blend in with, and you become that thing that you're trying to blend in with. To me, that's the most glaring evidence that I see 
the church trying to become like the world so much that it is not influencing the world. And that's what we're seeing uh, in America today. Well, in light of Grace Community Church's battle with the California County's public health order, the court's preliminary injunction, and the media critics, uh, what have you admired most about the church's stand demonstrated by Dr. MacArthur, church leaders? What should other ministries across the country take away from this dispute? Well, let me answer that, those questions this way. You know, I really can't find the words to express how proud I am of John MacArthur and the elders at Grace Community Church and the members at Grace Community Church. I'm just overwhelmed with the pride for the courage, the, the biblical courage that those men in John MacArthur and the elders have demonstrated over these past several months and how, how they have uh, responded biblically to the efforts by the state of California, the efforts by Los Angeles County to shut their doors to prevent us here at Grace Community Church from carrying out our biblical mandate, which is to gather together to preach the gospel, to reach the world with the gospel. Um, I'm proud of every one of my teammates here at Grace to You, which has been uh, consistent in getting John MacArthur's sermons out there to countless millions of people around the world. And for whatever to whatever degree, uh, Grace Community Church and John MacArthur and the elders here can be examples of biblical courage to other churches. I'm not saying this dogmatically, because I know each church is, is different. Each church has its own pastor, their own leadership, and they have to decide for themselves. However, if there's nothing that's been made clear through the example that John MacArthur and Grace Community Church has said, it is this. The United States Constitution does not give churches the right to worship. That is not where we get our right to worship from. The Constitution exists to protect the unalienable right to worship that we already have from God. And I think that's, that's the one thing that has to go out to churches around the world, is that you have a right to gather to worship, and that right comes from God. The Constitution protects that right. It doesn't grant you that right. You have to make that distinction and then decide for yourself how you want to go forward. Daryl, that's a really good word there. And how do you see the church being more effective with our gospel witness in light of the pandemic, the cultural revolution that seems to be getting so much attention? Well, there are many, many ways that that can happen. Um, you know, I think, uh, first of all, I think the, 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 the church should stand up to these uh, unconstitutional mandates, these restrictions to not gather. Employ social distancing, employ measures to the degree that you can to ensure the health uh, and well-being of your members. However, churches need to open their doors. That's the first thing that they can do. I think churches need to become more active on social media. Um, I, I, I think every church, I don't care how, how large or small your membership, you should be on social media. You should have a social media strategy to, com- to communicate virtually via social media to your congregants and then to others, to, 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 to use those platforms on social media to preach the gospel. They are incredible tools to use to get the gospel out. Use uh, platforms like virtual platforms like Zoom. And, and Microsoft Teams investigate either free or low-cost alternatives that augment your in-person gatherings to reach your congregation virtually and stay in touch with them virtually. So there are myriad ways for even in the midst of a pandemic to continue to gather to worship, to worship God, and to reach your congregants and others who are unbelievers with the gospel. But you have to have a strategy around 
how to do that. Well, Darrell, as I mentioned at the beginning of our show, you are the Dean of Social Media at Grace to You Ministries. What are you seeing as the most effective way that we can better use our social media accounts to promote a biblical worldview? Uh, Social media is effective for churches and ministries to the degree that their leadership and their congregations are on social media. Uh, You know, you have to be on, on social media in order to get involved and impact the world through social media. So I would encourage, I really don't care what your age group or what your socioeconomic station is in life, to investigate uh, having a presence on social media and using that platform to preach the gospel, even if you do nothing else but, nothing else but post scripture verses. That's something. Now, the truth may not always come across as kind, but what the kindest thing you can do is, say, is tell someone the truth. That's the kindest thing you can do. Yeah. Uh, so, so again, understand that you know we, we got a lot of tone police out there right now. So we, p- people discount even something can be true if they deem it not given in the right tone of voice. They'll discount the whole thing. But see, I can't be worried about that. Yeah, I heard Adrian Rogers just the other day. Matter of fact, was talking about when he was a a young preacher was traveling to be a guest preacher at a church. And he wasn't really sure the directions. And he had to rent a car. And he said he had a nice car. He was in a nice suit. And he was cruising with a nice air conditioning on. And he realized he was lost. And so he saw a patrol officer on the side of the road. He pulled over and said, sir, I'm trying to find XYZ Church. He said, oh, my. He said, you're a long way from there. And he said, that's how we are in life. We need somebody. Even if we're cruising through life in the comfort of what we think is the right direction, the right thing was for him to find out, hey, he was driving the wrong way. Exactly right. And uh, listen, God said all the way back in Genesis, when he, after he created Adam, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. Um, and this pandemic right now has got a lot of people feeling like they're alone, Yes, that they're lonely. Um, but, you know, the last thing believers need is to be walking through this sinful world alone. We We really need to open ourselves up, open our hearts up to, other believers to come alongside us and walk with us, come alongside and help disciple us, help disciple us through and help us navigate all the stuff that comes at us, especially stuff that Satan would have us have to deal with in this life. Um, So the last thing believers need right now is to be silos among themselves and be walking through all this milieu uh, alone. That that is not healthy spiritually, and it's not healthy uh, in other ways yes. as well. Daryl, I meant to mention on the last time we were together, you are a veteran of the United States Army. Thank you for your service. You served you. six years as a member of the United States Army Intelligence Security Command. Give us your view of the America we live in today. Wow. Well, America as we live in today uh, is, is really, in, in, in many respects, not different than the world at large that we live in today. Uh, America is populated by sinners just like the world is populated by sinners. And uh, America is a fantastic land of opportunity to say uh, that God has not had his hand on this country uh, would be to, 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 I don't know, to be disingenuous, if not outright lying. I mean, I think I think God has had his hand on this country with all of its faults, with all of its sins, has had his hand on America as a beacon to the world uh, since this nation was founded in 1776. But again, America is populated with sinners, just like every other country is. And we need to remind ourselves that this world is not our home. As, as blessed as America is, um, we, we're able to live in a democratic republic and have freedom and liberty. Um, 
th- those uh, those freedoms and liberties are being challenged every day uh, by by people who don't believe in God, who, be, who people who hate this nation. Um, but again, I, I I I bless and I praise God that I was born in this nation. Uh, but at the same time, I would look at America for what it is. It is a a nation of 320 some odd million sinners, and uh, I I I I need to keep uh, my view of this nation um, uh, honest with, with, within those parameters. But uh, America is, is is an amazing beacon of light to the world. It really is. Darrell, First Baptist Church of Covington, Georgia, nearly a 200-year history, the church you attended for about six years. What did it mean for you to become the first African-American to be ordained as a deacon in that church? Yeah, you know, Byron, as a student of history, it did have significance to me, but it had it had significance in its longer historical context. As you mentioned, that church has existed for nearly 200 years, and when I was ordained a deacon there in uh, 2012, um, I didn't take that as, wow, yeah, I'm the first, although it was a reality, yes, I was the first non-white person uh, to be ordained a deacon in that in the, in the history of that church, but I didn't personalize it that way. What I looked at it as, uh, as a sin issue, I, I looked at it as, why did it take nearly 200 years for an entity that called itself a Southern Baptist Church, meaning that this uh, group of believers uh, confessed that Christ was Lord of this particular local church, and yet it took that long for um, someone who wasn't white to be ordained a deacon in the church. So I looked at it as a sin issue, not as a, something that personally happened to me. So, but whatever to whatever degree, um, you know, my being ordained brought or, or signaled an end to that nearly two hundred years of history. I was I was blessed and humbled to be to be a part of it. Again, we justify as we talked about justice in the church. Sadly enough, has justified a lot of sins and wrongdoing, unbiblical things over the years. Yeah, again, uh, again, I hate to sound like a broken record. I really do, Byron. But the, here's the bottom line: the bottom line is that every single church on this planet is populated by sinners. Okay, so so that so that I'm a Christian, that I belong to a church. That doesn't negate the fact that my heart is still dark in many ways, and I and, and, and I spend every day, I spend multiple times a day. So that someone wears the moniker or claims the, the name of Jesus Christ doesn't absolve themselves of, of, of committing sin, and we need to remember that. Well, on top of the podcast, just thinking the podcast with some two million downloads now that you and Virgil Walker have been doing together now for over three years, the power of that, the power of your blog with, I'm sure, well over 20,000 subscribers. You stay busy with your work, too, with Grace to You Ministries. How does Daryl Harrison consider his day being complete or success when he lays his head on his pillow before going to sleep at night? You know, Byron, I'm glad you asked that question because you would think that uh, in my role here, Grace to You, where I'm surrounded about, I'm, I'm surrounded with other Christians every day. I'm surrounded with John MacArthur's resources. I'm surrounded by all the Bibles I can get my hands on. Uh, the, the the blog that I write for, I'm always writing from a biblical standpoint. The podcast that Virgil and I do, we're always digging into Scripture. But my day is not complete until I have personal time with God in His Word. I have to have blocked out personal time with God, with my Bible open in a room with the door closed, just me and him. If I don't get that in every day, then my day is a failure. I don't care what else I've done. 
I do not care what else I've accomplished in that day. If I don't spend time with God alone before before my bed hits the pillow, I have not had a good day. Wow. I have not. So that that has got to happen. Daryl, thank you for that reminder. I needed to hear that. We all need to hear that and be reminded to keep that as a priority as we move about in this life for the glory of Christ, for his kingdom, to be that light, the witness that he desires mm-hmm. to be be in our lives. Well, mm-hmm. Daryl, this has been great. Thank you for two impactful days of sharing. You were so kind to give me a second day. Again, as I mentioned, the uh, Just Thinking podcast, which is incredible, our listeners have got to go and download. First, you've got the over a hundred, I think, hundred and five episodes as we record our show. Mm-hmm. So uh, go and, and there's something on everything you could imagine. So I en- encourage you to check it out. Check out the blog. How can we find you? So folks can go to justthinking.me. That's just thinking one word. Justthinking.mp, and there you can access the blog. You can access the podcast. All 105 episodes of our podcast. You can listen online. And you can also connect with me on social media from their website. You can also connect with Virgil from there as well on social media. We're, we're on all the platforms, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Uh, we're on all those platforms. And we'd love to have your uh, support through listening to our podcast and, and reading our blog. And uh, most importantly, for uh, praying for us as we go forward. God bless you, Daryl Harrison. Thank you, my friend and brother, for what you do for Christ's kingdom. Thanks for sharing on our Mid-South Viewpoint today here on Bot Radio Network. Thank you, Byron. Friends, that's all the time we have on today's Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Today's Mid-South Viewpoint is brought to you by Navage. Just think about all the nasty stuff we breathe in every day. You know, the dust, allergens, bacteria, pollen, pollution. You know the things in Memphis here. What are we breathing? Well, if you wash your hands and brush your teeth every day, then why aren't you cleaning your nose to clean out all that junk that's trapped up in there? Let me tell you about this product. If you suffer from allergies, sinus infections, or are worried about what you're breathing in, it's called Navage. N-A-V-A-G-E. What's Navage? Well, it's the world's only nose cleaner with powered suction. People that have suffered from lifelong allergies call Navage a complete game changer. They are breathing more clearly, sleeping better, snoring less, and feeling a whole lot better. In fact, 90% of people who use Navage report feeling healthier. Now with cold and flu season just around the corner, why not make Navage part of your daily health routine? Experience what it's like to truly breathe better, sleep deeper, and feel healthier. Go ahead and visit Navage.com. That's Navage.com. Or you can find Navage at Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, Bed Bath & Beyond, and Target. Navage. N-A-V-A-G-E. N-A-V-A-G-E.